1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special show on Haggerty Radio Le Mans for 2020. I'm John Highgolf, and we're looking in detail at the entries in the LMP2 class, 24 of them uh, on the list at the moment. So that is a tremendous uh, undertaking for all of those those teams. What has been, of course, a very difficult year to get them all to Le Mans and in their various championships uh, around Europe and in some cases the world. Uh, it will be Shea Adam and Johnny Palmer who look at these uh, with us. Uh, once once again, JP, the LMP2 entry uh, making up, well, you know, getting, well, uh, over a third of the grid, getting on for half of the grid there. 24 cars uh, with a, a split. Uh, And still having an open tyre formula. So it's Goodyear versus Michelin, although Michelin has the advantage here. And again, roundabout, getting on for a half of the entries coming directly from the WEC. But of course, other entries being earned by championship wins as well. The LMP2 category has gone from strength to strength, JP, in the last, what, five years or so? Maybe a little more.
0: Yeah, and that's as a result of it going to not quite a single chassis manufacturer, but four, I, think, I believe it is still four, although it is, yes. not all of those are present on the grid. We have got one Delara. I'm pleased to say, which is being supported by Cetilar Racing of Italy and uh, ably supported by AF Corsa. Um, we've also got two Ligiers, one from inter Europol Competition, the Polish group and well-known for not being just a bakery, or the fastest bakery in the West, perhaps, the inter europol competition crew, and Eurasia Motorsport from the Philippines, also with a JS p 217 Then you've got the, the plethora of Oricas and different badges on Oricas as well, <laughs> if you like. You've, you've got the plain Oricas that make up the majority of the field, the Aurus 01 from G-Drive Racing, which... Auris are a Russian limousine manufacturer and carry two chassis plates on that car. Now, Roman Rusinov will have you believe it is built by Auris. It's not. It has an Auras no uh, badge on the nose. And otherwise, it's come out of the Orica factory like every other 7 has. And the same goes with the Alpine, actually. That's a bit of badge engineering as well. The Alpine from Richard Mille mm. Racing and um, the... Now, I thought there was, yeah, Sinutec, Alpine, Elf also have an Alpine as well. Yes. Um, there's a question about Richard Mille, actually, because I, I believe that there's possibly a shortage of, of of the Alpine version of the Orica. And actually, that Richard Mille car has been an Orica, plain and simple Orica in the ELMS. So we'll wait to see actually what turns out um, in the garages. But as you say, 24 car field. Very tricky to to tell which is going to be the strongest, particularly as they all run exactly the same specification of engine, which is the Gibson 4.2 hmm. 4. litre V8. I, I do think it's
1: interesting that Alpine is still here. Alpine is still here. There's been a, a big um, shake-up at Renault and at the Renault Group uh, recently with some of their brands. However, the one thing that they seem to want to activate again and and bring to the, the the four is Alpine and Cyril Abiteboul for, f- Formula One has has relatively recently been been um, appointed as head of all things motorsport including Alpine and Alpine's mentioned in his title which might mean we see a blue Alpine Formula One car uh, in the relatively near future and and their little A110 which is out at the moment is a splendid piece of kit although I have to say unfortunately I haven't driven one yet but everybody I've spoken to has raved about them so uh, sort of variety but not as much as we would like to see but nevertheless everyone even if it was an open chassis manufacturer uh, regulation everyone are always going to graduate to the one that does the best job and and certainly speaking uh, to the guys at United uh, relatively uh, recently I think when we were at Spa for uh, ELMS and they were saying you know it's tiny tiny differences in terms of advantages that that they felt they were going to get from a chassis change uh, but it is so tight and has been so tight um in this in this category johnny that even you know 1 or 2% difference is something that the teams have had to look at
0: certainly and uh, yeah the, the those little intricacies Within the grander picture of a twenty-four hour race, it's sort of like a butterfly effect. You know, a, mm. a thousandth of a second per lap is is actually massive when you translate it across a, a twice round the clock race. So, yeah, yeah, there's a, those tricky decisions to make. I mean, just talk to United Autosports about that, who were a LeGia exactly dealer so. yeah. for LMP two and and figured well, actually, you know, certain drivers that wanted to be involved with United had a look at the raw data and just couldn't see that the Ligier could regularly compete with the Orica 07 might be all right at certain tracks, but when you're part of a world championship or part of the European Le Mans series, part of the Asian Le Mans series, you want the car that is good Mm. at the lion's share of locations you're going to go to. And that is the Orica 07. There's no getting away from that fact. However, you know, sometimes a 24 hour race certainly doesn't go to script and who's to say we're not going to get a Ligier, Maybe in the top five, top three, even by the end mm. of it. Uh, let's
1: start. Uh, Michelin by far have the, the most runners in this. So I'm going to start with the Goodyear uh, runners. And therefore, we will start with the G Drive Racing by Algarve entry. This is the number 16. Um, it, it is entered under the Russian flag. Uh, it has got the G Drive uh, markings on it. And this is Shea Adam. A team of all talents, uh, notably because it's it is uh, Stuart and Sam Cox from Algar Pro Racing who uh, have got the car in the race and are doing all of the work to get that car um, uh, running well. But the driver lineup is absolutely extraordinary.
2: It's it's one of those fun ones. Um, in other preview shows, perhaps we have finished with my favorite team. I guess this one we're starting with my favorite team, um, Nick Tandy. Oliver Jarvis and Ryan Cullen, what a threesome for this car. Ollie, who won the LMP2 class in 2017, was second overall that year. And he's been on the overall podium four times. Oliver Jarvis gets Le Mans. If we're talking about people who get Le Mans, Nick Tandy. Think back to 2015, the night stint that really made a difference for that car, the 19 Porsche being able to come through and take the overall win, the year that they were supposed to just be there going around and around and learning how to drive the car, and then they come out and win the race. Nick has an affinity with Le Mans, much the same that Ollie does. Ryan Cullen here is going to be the weakest part of this car. And I mean, I'm sorry, Ryan, but you're co-driving with Oliver Jarvis and Nick Tandy. That's kind of to be expected. But that's not to say that he's a weak driver. No, he's got all. Super Cup experience. ELMS, he was in that full season 2018 he's been with the team in the lms in 2019 as well he's won the 24 hours of daytona in the lmp2 category back in 2019 this is a completely loaded car as far as the driver lineups go it's going to be on the team to execute and make sure that those three have what they need if they do i kind of feel bad for the rest of the class to be honest yeah
1: yeah, absolutely. Difficult to get away, JP, because of all the things that we, we've we said. And the field strategies tend to be the same, particularly at Le Mans because they've all got the same running gear, etc. This is a very interesting uh, entry because it, it came not out of nowhere, but certainly very quietly. Clearly, it was going on behind the scenes and added um, as a late addition to what we hope is the final revision uh, at the end of... Of August that was published on the last day of August by the ACO, and fair play to everybody for for, for getting this together and, and keeping the wraps on it because that that is a good team, no two ways about it.
0: Yeah, and yeah, it's tricky to actually find out um, the, what's led to this situation. Well, first of all. There was another LMP2 car in the entry, which sadly it means we're not going to see the the Thunderhead Carlin Racing Delara there this year for Jack Manchester and Ben Barnico was going to be a driver of that as well, so that fell out of the entry, making it 59 cars. There was then a vacancy. Now, as I understand it, there's been a a difference of opinions between Dragon Speed, who Ryan Cullen used to race for Elton Julian's team, and and Ryan Cullen himself. So they've gone their separate ways. And then it was left, I think, I presume to Ryan and everybody that supports him to work out how to get G-Drive back on the grid. And credit to Ryan and his contacts book, because if you can just give Ollie Jarvis a call and just give Nick Tandy a call to back up you in an LMP2 entry, that that is mightily impressive. So G-Drive Racing with Algarve, um, this is another team to run with the G-Drive branding. And I reckon this is the sixth different outfit now wow. <laughs> to have G-Drive <laughs> on its car because we have had it more recently, as in this year and last year, TDS be a G-Drive car. We've had actually Dragon Speed with the G-Drive colours. And if you go back far enough, Graph have had it. Jota has been a G-Drive car and the open-top cars. And Oak Racing. So oh, wow. credit to uh, to Stuart to, uh, and Joe Cox because they have um, managed to, to work out a bit of G-Drive sponsorship and... Uh, yeah, the next in a long line of very successful teams.
1: Does Ryan Cullen own that car? Is that is that where this has all come from? Or have I got that mixed uh, up with something else?
0: That is my understanding, but I don't know how much sort of public knowledge that is. But yes, um, it, it was slightly complicated when everybody rocked up at Le Castellet for the last DLMS race because uh, Ryan and his family uh, took their car after this difference of opinion and that was left. Go uh, Elton Julian was left to find a new chassis.
1: Uh, and, and that is the same Ryan Cullen who drove uh single seat as for Marussia. Is that right as well?
0: Could up... be right. right. Okay. I don't know that off the top of my head. Okay,
1: um, excellent. Uh, so that's <laughs> the, so so that's it then. We've done the, uh, the LMP2 class now. As far as she is concerned, nobody else has got a look in <laughs> if they get uh, that right. On Goodyear's, um, one of only five cars on Goodyear's, uh, 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 along with the other Algarve Pro Racing car, the 25. Now, Stewart's team has been doing some development work for the Goodyear tire brand, and their number 25 car uh, has, uh, uh, in the driver lineup, stakes, got John Falb, Simon Trummer, and Matt McMurray, uh, three drivers that uh, we know from the US quite well, sure
2: very very well and can i just say for the record i do love this car too um i i don't think they're gonna be anywhere near the pace that we're gonna see from their sister car or their um what would it be their um cousin that they don't really talk about i guess in alabama terms um but it's it's still a relative john faub is just a guy that you always enjoy cheering for he was the elms LMP three champ back in 2017. He's got a prototype challenge background. So that's where we've known him yeah. from for many, many years. John Simon Trummer, What a guy. Uh, I really respect him so much. And especially with everything that's happened this year, stepped away from a ride in the United States because he didn't feel safe with all the traveling back and forth. It takes a real Big person to walk away from a, a ride in racing. To be quite frank, his fourth time at Le Mans, and the race has been really cruel to him. Twice he hasn't finished. One time he was actually excluded from the race after the fact. But he hasn't run with a team to the level of Algarve Pro. So this is going to be a new experience for him. Matt McMurray, he has run with Algarve Pro. Yeah. um, The race is something that he will forever be associated with because he is the youngest starter and finisher in the history of the 24 hours of Le Mans. But he hasn't yet broken into the top 10 for a finish. So the LMP2 champ in the U.S. from last year uh, in IMSA, who currently runs with MSR in their Acura program for 2020 in IMSA, he's changed, though, John. He's graduated from university in the spring. He's growing up. So he's still 22 years old, but this is a very different experience for Matt. He's no longer the young kid expected to just sit back and be quiet and learn. Now he's one of the team anchors. So it, it is going to be a good show for the Algarve Pro. Uh,
1: the third of the Goodyear runners, Johnny, is the 31 Panis racing car. Nico Chaman, the French gold driver. Julien Canel, the French silver driver. And Mathieu Vaxvier, the French gold driver. Driver. I mean, you, you can have platinum drivers uh, in this, uh, and uh, there's a number of teams who have got a couple of platinum drivers. But it is um, fundamentally, you, you do have to have a non-pro driver in in this as well. But that looks a nicely balanced crew there for Pannies.
0: Yes, it is. Um, the difficulty when you've got this meshing of ELMS and World Endurance Championship cars in effect i know it's only technically around for the wec but there's so many lms cars turned up as well is that not everybody can can drive their kind of regular car within each individual championship so actually fans of the lms will be used to seeing will stevens as part right. of panis racing but he's busy with jackie chandisi racing in the 37 that we'll get on to uh, very shortly in fact being another good year runner so they've had to replace stevens matcha Vaxavier. Tremendous. Um, it's, this will be his fourth Le Mans in a row, still in his mid-20s and uh, mightily impressive. I think he surprised a lot of people at Bathurst at the 12 Hours a few years ago with his run in the Aston Martin. Not mm. great to be able to knew, knew about the young Frenchman. So he's very strong. Nicolas Jammer, uh, vastly experienced as well with um, Duquesne racing from last year, moved across to Paris. In the winter period, and uh, has raced at Le Mans once before. Julian Canal, I think this will be his eleventh race in a row, wow. and he is Mister Le Mans. You know, he he is born in Le Mans, businesses in Le Mans, and he's the reason why you'll see the golden arches of McDonald's on the nose of that car because that's his business mm-hmm. franchise within that restaurant. And uh, yeah, uh, that's very strong actually. Could easily fly um, fly beneath the radar possibly because of the tyres, but one thing we did learn at the last ELMS race is that if it's greasy conditions, not fully wet, but not dry as well, if you're using the Goodyear Intermediate, that tyre is so strong. Yes, The intermediate is actually stronger than than the Michelin Intermediate, and I have that from from Michelin runners as well. It goes back to the history of Dunlop producing a really good intermediate as well, and Goodyear have carried that on as their sort of replacement. So it could be interesting if we get maybe, a don't know, an overnight period where... It's a little bit damp, but, you know, there are dry patches here and there. Maybe we'll see the Goodyear cars come come good. And, and more, uh,
1: more darkness, of course, something in the region yeah. of four hours more darkness. Temperatures, I mean, if you take the average, it doesn't look that different. Only maybe a couple or three degrees Celsius difference from where it would be in June. But it suggests to me, Johnny, that at that time of year, the likelihood of slightly more inclement or even colder weather, particularly overnight uh, might, you know, that might just fall, as you've said, into the, the greasy area and benefit those five good years, good, good
0: year runners. There's every chance of that. Yes. And yeah, the, the dip in temperatures because there's so much night running. I mean, I quickly looked up sunset time about for the 19th of September in Le Mans, 8 o'clock, roughly, and then sunrise at 7.45. So pretty much 12 hours of not full darkness because it gets a little bit uh, lighter just ahead of sunrise and doesn't go fully dark at sunset. But maybe nine or ten hours of darkness, which is considerably more than we're used to in June. And yes, the opportunity for cooler weather, the opportunity for, for wetter weather, very much so in an autumn race.
1: It's not just the difference in time of the year. We're so close normally to the longest day, share uh, mm. in in France, in terms of the most daylight hours in in Europe. Um, that you know, I've come out of a shift at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and there's still All right, it's not light. But you couldn't you know yeah. but there's still light in the sky, and four o'clock four fifteen in the morning, yeah. easily seen it, so it is it is going to be very different. let's move on to Jackie Chan d c racing then JP uh, mentioned that that's the next of the good year runners in the 37 uh, Chinese yeah. entered team of course for Hoping Tung, for Gabrielle Aubrey uh, and uh, for will Stevens mentioned by JP so will obviously defaulting to his WEC team because this is a WEC race. You can understand that, that and and nobody's going to criticise him for that shit.
2: No, absolutely not. And when you look at the season results in the WEC, they're very, very consistent, this trio. Fourth, second, second, third, second, sixth. So they haven't really had that terrible race yet, and and I don't want to jinx them, absolutely do not want to jinx them by saying that. But Gabby Aubrey, Will Stevens and Hoping Tongue, they work very well together and particularly if we do get precipitation and there is an advantage for a Goodyear tire, these three have enough experience with the car and with the types of circuits that we've been going to this year in the WEC they are going to excel particularly because they've had so much track time that's where the other cars are going to struggle a little bit that we've talked about the ones running on goodyear they don't have the same level of consistent experience that those three guys do and you're talking about gabby Aubrey, who was second in 2019 will stevens who won it in 2017 driving with jmw he was second the year before, if memory serves, and Hoping Tongue, who was another one of those guys yeah. who was second in 2019. But the win in 2017, all of them know the way to the podium. Uh,
1: Johnny, we'll finish off our look at the Goodyear runners uh, in LMP 2 for the 2020 Le Mans with the number 38, the mighty 38 for Jota. Uh, we, we started off with a very strong platinum, platinum, silver uh, lineup for Nick Tandy, Ollie Jarvis uh, and Ryan Cullen. We'll finish with another one. How about Anthony Davidson, Antonio Felix da Costa and Roberto González? you've got to again take this lineup very very seriously indeed and you've been watching these guys in the WEC.
0: I have yes and Roberto Gonzalez uh, has fitted into new duties in behind the wheel of an LMP2. Uh, the sorry not Roberto Gonzalez um Antonio it's Felix, Felix de Costa yeah. is the guy I'm talking about. Yes sorry uh the former BMW driver in GT uh, GT Pro. And of course, with that uh, campaign coming to an end, um, he has quickly got on the phone to organise himself a WEC drive. So he's mightily impressive, sort of akin to to his compatriot, Philippe uh, Albuquerque, composer from Portugal. Anthony Davidson, always spectacular, even back to the days when he was in the lmp one Toyota and you know, some people still quite puzzled as to why he's not got a job with Gazi racing the day, but he moves uh, certainly from a driver, from a, a lead driver perspective. But yes, he's been with Jota for a couple of seasons now and uh, so impressive, particularly when he's put in for the opening stint of the shorter races, well, I short, I mean, six hours and sometimes four and Roberto Gonzalez, uh, the silver rated Mexican, 44 years old. And uh, yeah, I, I, again, a race will pivot on the silver driver and Gonzales has often been the reason why Jota have won races in the past. Um, Good to have uh, Jota actually in as their name rather than Jackie Chan DC racing. You just have two cars under that umbrella, Uh, but Sam Hignett's, uh, initiative now represented with their name above the garage, which mm-hmm. changed going into this particular season of the WEC. But yeah, that lineup, if anything, has has got stronger heading into the the latest season of the WC with the addition of Felix de Costa.
1: Yeah, who's made that transition as you see, GP very well indeed. I've been terribly impressed uh, listening to you and Bruce talking. About them in the WEC, it's not always the easiest thing to do. Although most of these drivers, if they've got the work status in in GT, have done some single seater somewhere in their in their past, which is certainly the case for Antonio Felix, uh, de Costa. But you've kind of got to go back to that and think about a much lighter car and a much more direct car than a 1,300 kilo. GT car, and he's done it very, very well indeed. Those are the Goodyear runners, uh, and all of the Goodyear runners that we've talked about there are running the Orica chassis. So let's now move on to Michelin, which has by far the majority of the 24-car field, 19 of them, and we'll start there with number 11 uh, for uh, Elysier GSP217, for Adrian Tombier, Eric Maris, and uh, Christophe D'Ansembourg, the Belgian driver with the two Frenchmen I mentioned earlier, they are in the Euro International team. Johnny Palmer, tell us about Euro International and the number 11, Henry.
0: They are American flagged, but very much Italian when you go and chat to the team. at Euro International, now, I had tracked back when they used to be known as, I think, Euro Motorsport. Right. Back in the sort of... Early 80s, I'll have to check uh, um, the exact name, but um, they have not been to Le Mans for a very, very long time. And I think they were called something entirely different back in those days. Now it is, uh, end, it says Antonio Ferrari's team established in 1989, and the 24 Hours of Le Mans they competed in 1995 or mm. six. Yes, so that, and that is when they were known as um, Euro Motorsport, one word. They're now known as Euro International, one word. But they are far more known as a LMP3 team in the European Le Mans series. This is a big step up to, to LMP2, and I don't think they've ever done that in recent years. They've had to obviously acquire this car, the Ligier, and find themselves three drivers. Now, Adrian Tombe, son of Patrick... Mightily impressive, although has never raced at Le Mans before. He's a gold and 29 years old. And then two non-pro drivers, Eric Maurice, who's raced with Edex Sport in the past. And Christoph uh, Dansonborg, I don't know a great deal about. Belgian, 57, a rookie again. Um, So I'm pretty sure. No, Maurice probably won't be rated as a rookie with his five previous uh, times at Le Mans, although it's been a bit of a gap since he was last here. It's not five years, and that's the rule. Uh, If you've been to Le Mans in the last five years, you'll appear on a list in the regulations. If your last appearance at Le Mans was prior to that, then you are classed as a rookie and will have to do your set amount of laps during free practice. But that will be the case for Tom Bay, and it will be the case for Dansonberg.
1: Just to add a little bit of meat to the bones, I'm... uh... I've had to look this up, but I, I thought this was the case. They ran Super League Formula as well when I was doing Super League. SC Corinthians and Atletico Madrid. Antonio Petonia and Andy Suchek drove to them. And in the States, they ran um, as Euro Motorsport, uh, including running Davy Jones in the Indy 500 and Andrea Montemini, uh, as well as, uh, little more recently, um, that was way back the the uh, 1990s. Uh, Champ Car Atlantic um, for Eduardo Piscopo and Daniel Morad and Louis Charvo, uh as well. Um, so they they have been around as Johnny suggests for a, a very long in, time. In
0: 1995, it was a Ferrari 333 SP. Yeah. For uh, Massimo Sigali, uh, Jay three. Cochran, and, and uh, Rene Arnoux. Yeah. That, that, so that, that's my that's their only previous experience, I believe, of Le Mans. Um,
1: and they ran in IMSA uh, that year as well. Um, yeah. And then in 1996, they ran an um, a in IMSA and went back to Indianapolis with Russ Wicks. But um, they didn't get there, um, I seem to think, that year. I'm going to have to... All, I wish I had Jeremy for that. He would have told <laughs> us all of that. But as you say, plenty of... Uh, plenty of background to that team although not necessarily in its current name but or has always been antonio ferrari's um uh, equipe, uh as you were uh, had been based in the had been based in the states now based in um san pietro ma uh, in italy um moving on then to Edex sports seventeen and twenty eight For these two, and again, Oricas, Edek, we've seen run a variety of things, Johnny, including GT cars in the past. French team, Dwight Merriman, Kyle Tilley, Jonathan Kennard uh, in the 17 and the 28. Scan across here because I've made this smaller now. Paul Lafargue, Paul Loup Chatan, and Richard. Bradley. Um, sure you can have a go at the first one of that. Have a go at the the, the 17. What can you tell me about those guys? USA Dwight Merriman, of course, the the, uh, bronze driver in there.
2: Yeah, Dwight Merriman and Kyle Tilley have been working together for quite some time now with era motorsports over in the United States for the LMP2 organization. Dwight Merriman, not long into racing. And to be honest, he was driving some less competitive cars when all of a sudden, one of the crew members just said, oh, if you think this is fun, you should try racing an LMP2 car. (laughs) And he said, okay, Kyle, let's go find an LMP2 car and drive. So about five weeks before the Rolex 24 hours this year in 2020, they found a car, they put together a program. And in conjunction with EDEX Sport, actually, it was Nick Manassian who joined Uh, them for the 24 hours. Nick, started talking about in Daytona. Ah, well, if you think Daytona is a fun race, you should come do Lamar. <laughs> and Dwight said, okay, come on, Kyle, let's go run Le Mans. So that's how this whole program has come together. They're doing very well. In the LMP2 category so far this year, looking at second in championship points, they've gotten a few podiums so far. This could be a very fun weekend for this trio. Not necessarily going to be going for a trophy. They're aiming at a top 10 finish, but they are going to have the biggest smiles on their faces.
1: The second of the 2 Etec cars, GP is the 28 car, uh, Richard Bradley, and Paul Loup Shatner must be two of, of uh, the best gold drivers uh, out there. Paul Loop has come up through the ladder series uh, of the ACO Championships. And with Paul uh, Lafargue as their silver, again, this is a, a threesome that you would look at and say, right, OK, outside of those that have got the almost full pro lineup, you'd look at them and say, yeah, they're going to enjoy themselves, but you can't count them out of a
0: decent result. No, certainly not. Um, Paul Epshata, I mean, amazing talent. He, let us not forget, took the European Le Mans series title last year with Memo Rojas and Paula Farg with Edex Sport. So, I mean, they are great movers and shakers these days. Yes, they've come out of GT racing and it's sort of less high profile competition. But they've now, you know, hit a real benchmark taking the European Le Mans series in 2019. Memo Rojas, not part of the line now, but Richard Bradley comes in. He's not been to Le Mans for at least last year and possibly the year before as well. He had four in a, four in a row a couple of years back, but certainly missed the 2019 race. And he was competing with Duquesne Engineering previously, Well, joins Edexport Sport for their ELMS in 2020, their ELMS run, and uh, joins them for Le Mans as well. Paul Lafargue is the silver, uh, son of Patrice, and it's the Lafargues that sort of Edexport Sport is their team. And Paul just gets better and better. I mean, you know, the, the, the championship is testament to his talent alone. But whether it's a GT car or an LMP2 high downforce prototype machine, he seems very, very comfortable just into his early 30s now. But I still think he's got, you know, a, a decent amount of career ahead of him as long as he surrounds himself with strong drivers. And he's certainly got that for this year. So mention
1: of Memo Rothass there by... Uh, JP Johnny Palmer she takes us on nicely to the number 21 at uh, Jack Dragon Speed car, Memo Rojas with Timothy Bure. And now we have a new driver to what we expected. Um, not people, durani and we'll come to that in a moment. Uh, we, we have
2: uh, Juan Pablo Montoya. Interesting. Very interesting, and not too shabby of a replacement. I mean, if Pipo himself is is very difficult to replace in any car in any situation, Juan's only been to Le Mans the one time before. That was back in two thousand and eighteen when he ran with United Autosport, finishing third in that race. Did not get the opportunity to stand on the podium though because it was a post race uh issuance that allowed him up to the third out of finishing on the road in fourth position so juan who is still one of two drivers looking to complete the triple crown alonso had a crack at it this year at indy and juan is taking a crack at it this year at le mans it makes it a very interesting car and particularly when you combine juan pablo montoya who's had so much success in america with mama rojas who's had so much success in america and in europe and then Timothy Buret, who we've been talking a lot about the weakest link, and I don't mean this in any offense toward Timothy. It's only his fourth Lama, and he's 25 years old, but the Frenchman has been very quick there before. So it's going to be a very interesting LMP2 car with all three of the drivers used to that style of chassis now.
1: We're going to miss people. We always miss people. It, it, uh, we, we're not going to comment. Massively on this because we just don't know, and you never know what's gone on in negotiations. Uh, but it just sounds like people wasn't happy, or th- there was something not quite right there, and therefore he's decided not to, t- to travel. Um, and as far as we're aware, this is not COVID. Uh, this is not COVID uh, related. This is, you know, this is people in some way, not feeling that he was getting a fair crack or, or whatever. So, again, I've already said too much because I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, and in all honesty, if it doesn't feel right, then it's wrong. Mm. So for people, there was just some reason, some underlying reason. And again, we don't know what it is, but it wasn't the year to go back and try it. And it, it's not the year to travel. We've seen drivers in other series who have stepped away from rides because they didn't want to make a trip across the pond True. one direction or the other. So this isn't the first time that this has happened. And for people, you know, he's got a great championship going in the U.S. He's going to be racing the week after at Mid-Ohio. Very good point. And he's point. well placed in the points for that. So if you're talking about keeping your concentration, it really is a good decision for people to focus on the, the IMSA championship instead of trying to do Le Mans and IMSA.
1: The second of the Bay cars, uh, J.P., um, is the twenty seven car, uh, and that one has Henrik uh, Edmund Ben Hanley and Renger Sander uh, in that uh, and you know that that 's a bronze and two golds, but that they are two again very strong. I mean the difference between a gold and a platinum possibly very difficult to to measure, particularly when you 've got gold drivers like Ben and Renger who you know do ply their trade in in the top class and the top level of, of prototype motorsport.
0: They certainly do. Uh, yes, and uh, the principal reason why Dragon Speed USA and this 27 car is in because of the of Dragon Speed's success in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is the only car in the LMP2 entry uh, that has got in because of its success uh, overseas, if you like, you know, over the Atlantic. So Ben Hanley at Mancunian, regularly races with Dragon Speed in the ELMS. So um vast experience as far as the guys around him are concerned and a very rapid goal driver he's coming off the back of three previous visits to the Le Mans 24 hours so it won't be daunting for him anymore though as it may have been in the early days Henrik Hedman who's come out of uh, Ferrari Challenge Racing uh, a good few years ago I remember seeing him I think in 2015 um and then slowly has gravitated to well straight actually into prototypes i don't remember henrik having that bridging uh, section of his career where he maybe did a bit of gte racing i think it was straight into dragon speed and has adapted pretty well and yes ringer van der zander that name sort of speaks volumes for itself for those who sp- follow sports car racing um both from a gt variety but also more recently in, in prototypes as well 34 years old of the netherlands uh, and He'll be in at the end, I'm pretty sure, When on average lap times. Um, Ben's good, Renga's even better.
1: And, and, and this is this is a race, share that we know because we speak to Renger a lot in the IMSA WeatherTech Sport Car Championship. This is a race that he wants to get on his CV with a, a big yeah. win. He wants the W alongside it he's, he's done such great work uh, in IMSA, uh, particularly the DPI category. And let's not forget, I know the DPI's are a different car, but they are based on a... On a LMP2 chassis, uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's going to find in some ways the LMP2, he, he, he has found, I know, because we've talked to him about it, the LMP2 you know, may, might not have the power, they all have spec suspension, which his DPI doesn't. But there's enough similarity, I think, that, that Rengel will just be able to buckle down to this, and, and he wants this, he wants it badly.
2: He really, really does. I think um, if you listen back to my interview with Ranger at the Roar before the 24 yes. this year, I, I asked him if there was one race this year that you could win, which one would you pick? And his first response was, in IMSA or Le Mans? Yes. And I'm like, yeah. no, Inimsa. So he settled on Sebring. But Ranger he not only wants to win this race, he wants to finish it. He's done it twice before and DNF in 2018 and 2019. So he wants to prove first off that he can get to the end of the race. Then if he can get to the podium, even better Then, if he can get to the top step of the podium, that is the ultimate goal. Mm. But for Ranger, this is the race that he sort of looks at every year, puts a big circle around it and goes, that's the next one I need to win.
1: And there'll be a big party if that happens. Uh, And best of luck to them and all the runners, of course. We can't play favourites here on Haggerty. Radio Le Mans. At 22 next up, and it's another one of the uh, the WEC, uh, um, and there's, there's more than one United entry, isn't there? So I just need this to go down a little bit and find that as well. It's 20, 20, 22 and the 32, of course it is. We'll get to the 32 in a moment. Bit of needle here as well, uh, uh, Johnny, because uh, this is Phil Hansen, uh, who is really, he's come of age so much in the last year, 18 months, paired with Philippe Albuquerque, the Portuguese uh, platinum driver, and Paul De Resta, the Scottish, great British, uh, as it is, uh, platinum driver. And there's quite a bit of needle between De and Anthony Davidson, both work on Formula One for Sky, the UK broadcaster of formula one and there's been quite a bit of uh, backwards and forwards between those two in the last few formula one races talking about their their recent results but i mean all joking aside this michelin shod Origer for united who are on a rich vein of form and this car on a particular momentum run at the moment
0: Yes, hugely, um, because, well, first of all, three races in ELMS there have been so far, and the 22 of Phil Hansen minus Paul de Resta, but with Philippe Arbacurk, have taken victory. Uh, But, yeah, they are standout performers in the World Endurance Championship so far this year. I mean, that's where a lot of the opportunity to to gloat or to uh, (laughs) make obvious the results to Anthony Davidson comes for Paul de Resta because of the success they have had to date, I mean... I think it's when you combine WEC and ELMS, is it the last six races that United have taken victory back to back, whether it be the 22 or the opening ELMS race, it was actually the 32 car that took victory at Le Castellet first time around. Um, Duresta and Hansen, Asian Le Mans series champions very recently. Albuquerque and Hansen, elms race winners and not just this season but took a couple last year as well so uh, they are incredibly strong the 22 particularly because you're kind of combining championships from from asia with potential championships maybe for the european le mans series in two races time all combining in one car at le mans and um, that's going to be a standout for me car 22.
1: Uh, and the 32, uh, again, on Michelin's. This is Will Owen, Alex Brundle, and Jop van Heightet, the uh, one of the uh, clutch of young uh, uh, Netherlands Dutch drivers uh, coming into various forms of, of motorsports. Uh, again, under the United Autosports uh, banner, uh, with Richard Dean running a very tight Ship there, Zach Brown, who looks after uh, McLaren as well, of course. That's, he's a part owner of that team uh, as well. Um, Tell me a little bit about that, Johnny, about the 32 car. As you say, they have had a win at Le Castellet the first time. That was the four hours rather than the 240 minutes. That was the, the, yes. the original Le Castellet, if you will. And and they actually, yes, it was. I won't say they looked into it, but there was an element of fortune on them taking the risk. You've got to be in it to win it. I think they were sitting in second when their, when their um, sister car had a, a, a tyre issue.
0: Yeah, Hansen was leading, I think it was Hansen at the wheel of the 22, was, yeah. leading the race, and he had a, a very late puncture, which obviously they had to pit for, and didn't take him too long to change it, but it then put that car down to third, I seem to remember, and the 32 was there in the right place to to take victory, so credit to them. Um, Alice Brundle... Uh, you know, um, been at Le Mans a number of times previously, going back to the open-top era of the prototype cars. Uh, I remember seeing him in his early single-seater career with his dad Martin supporting him, and you did wonder whether he might make it to Formula 1, but actually he's become one of the big names in in prototype racing at yeah. LMP2 level, certainly. Um, it'd be fun to see him one day, maybe, in an LMP1, if, if ever that could happen. He's been to Le Mans six times previously, so, yeah, very experienced. Willow, and this will be his fourth time to Circuit de la Sarthe. the 25-year-old American, he's the silver. And Jot van Aute, I still have a silver on, on my entry list, despite him actually being gold now, courtesy of a of a LMP3 championship in, in 2018. So, We'll wait to see. I mean, you only have to have one silver, and that is Will Owen. But Jot van Aute is a real talent. He's one of the young guns, 21 years old, um, and continues to go from, from strength to strength. Came really close to an ELMS title last year uh, with G Drive Racing. They just fell short by a handful mm. of points.
1: Yeah, and, and, and again, it's worth mentioning because of the odd nature of this season of WEC. WEC not ELMS. ELMS finished its season at the end of 2019. WEC started its season in 2019 and has has come on even much later than it was anticipated. Remember, Le Mans was meant to be the last race of the 1920 WEC season, and that was in June. It's stretched beyond that, and it will go all the way past Le Mans. And then next year, WEC goes back to a calendar year, rather than what we've been calling the soccer year or the school year. And because of the fact that the season started in 19, the driver ratings, as they were in 19, have been... um, held on to, there's been no changes because otherwise you'd have changed halfway through the season or partway through the season which would have certainly put some of those... um, Pro, uh, programmes uh, in jeopardy uh, ju- just a, a quick note from me from Alex Brundle is uh, apart from being very good behind a mic as well as behind a steering wheel rather annoyingly because uh, you should only really be allowed to have one uh, one talent uh, he knows how to ring, win a 24 hour race as well he's a Nürburgring 24 hour winner with Aston Martin of course with Jamie Chadwick and Sir Peter Kate Uh, who who I've driven with before. And I know how good Peter is. And for Alex to be in that kind of company, to win a 24-hour race in a GT car, Alex knows how to win races. Uh, You with... Haggerty, Radio Le Mans for 2020. LMP2 is what we're looking at in our countdown to Le Mans, effectively, for this really weird season, as you've heard by how we've been trying to explain it to you. The 24 car is next. Another Michelin runner, another Orica. This is Nielsen Racing for... Uh, Anthony Wells, the Brit, Alex Kapadia, uh, another former Radio Show Limited commentator, uh, <laughs> and uh, Garrett Griss, the Canadian. Shea Adam, you have first crack at this one
2: sure uh well yes i completely agree with what you're saying by the way to begin you shouldn't be able to be good at driving a race car and good at talking just that's just not fair <laughs> it really is um so alex capatio welcome back to Le Mans. for alex his second start he ran in 2015 remember though he ran at the test day a couple of years back i think that was with murphy prototypes if mm. memory serves um so he has had fairly recent experience driving around the track now 40 years old uh, we talked about winning 24-hour races and how important it is to know how to do that. He does know how to do that. Dubai 24-hour winner back in 2010. Then you mix him in with Tony Wells, who is a rookie to Le Mans at the ripe young age of 56 years old. So there is still hope, John. There, there is still hope. He's the 2020 Asian Le Mans Series LMP3 champ. So he's a guy who's been coming up through the ranks with the goal firmly set on running Le Mans. Garrett Grist, young Canadian, 25 years old, he's been running in Asian Le Mans series in LMP3 cars, in the European Le Mans series in LMP3 cars, in the U.S. in LMP3 cars. This is his first crack at an LMP2. So it's going to be a very difficult experience for these three drivers to all try and get a handle on the closed cockpit LMP2 car because Capatia doesn't have the same experience with that. Last time he was driving, it was just pure air over the top of uh, his good head. Point. But it's it's still interesting. Nielsen Racing, they're a fairly good team. So mm-hmm. this could be a good car. This could be a top 10 car. Not thinking for this to be as strong as perhaps the United Autosports cars.
1: Uh, Johnny, Nielsen Racing, you know a bit about them. They, they do run, a, again, they run a tight ship. They know how to get a car home.
0: Yes, they're... Uh... Manager is known as Sven. I always forget his real name, but he looks like a Viking, so everybody just calls him that instead. <laughs> uh, with a with a bleach blonde hair and um like yeah, it. he he um he knows how to set up Picard as Sven, and and he got some good people around him as well in terms of the guys on the spanners, you know, physically doing the work. So again, it's a big step up because I don't know Nielsen at all with an LMP2 car. It's always been P3. Yeah. However, they do have track experience, having raced. At the Road to Le Mans, which is, of course, two rounds of the Michelin Le Mans Cup and has mm. been since that uh, that initiative first started in in 2016. And uh, I know that we'll have live coverage here on Haggerty Radio Le Mans of the, uh, of the Saturday morning race, at the very least, of the uh, Road to Le Mans. So looking forward to that. Garrett Grist has raced on the Le Mans track. Tony Wells has raced on the Le Mans track. So they all have experience of the venue, just not overnight. Yeah. And Alex Capardia. Five, five years ago. So I think he just gets in as a non-rookie. Yeah, I don't he does. think he'll have to do the laps. Uh, you can't run really it much. If you appeared in 2014 and then never again, you would be out. But it was 15 with the AAI GT car. Uh, so Alex will be fine. But again, up to P2. He has tested with Murphy, as, as Shay says, and has raced P2s before. Been a little bit out of the game. Chance to, to look after his business and also commentate for us for a while. So it'll take him, you know, a couple of laps to get back on the bicycle, but but not too long at all. Uh, you,
1: you mentioned how many cars Johnny carry G-Drive. The G-Drive racing entry is the next one we'll talk about. It is the number 26 car, uh, Russian flagged, of course. This is the one you were talking about that Roman Reisanov will tell everybody is an aura chassis. It, it, it's an Aurica with a bit of badge engineering, they're on Michelins jean Eric Verne and Mikkel Jensen uh, join the Russian team leader, Roman Rusinov now a uh, gold driver stayed a long time at silver and fought hard for that and was worried at, at one stage whether that might take him out of the sport but in Mikkel Jensen, JP has got a very, very good silver indeed and, and Jev John Eric Verne, well the Frenchman needs no introduction
0: no, certainly not. They came very close to winning the last European Le Mans series race after John Eric Verne was overtaken on the penultimate lap by Philippe Albuquerque. But uh, otherwise, they'd, they'd run a seamless race through tricky conditions. Roman Rusanov, um, first Le Mans, I think back in 2010, or maybe no, before that, bear mm. with me a moment, 20, 2008, wow. when he did a couple back to back, then had a break. And this will be his ninth Le Mans in a row in this. Segment, so it'll be his eleventh appearance totally. Um, So, Rusinov, well known in G Drive cars, he is a gold. I would have said, if you were to measure him gold for gold against others in the category, he's not quite there. Now, uh, it depends what sort of Roman Rusinov turns up. That's a very good point, because he's a little bit inconsistent. I think If they get a good start and he's in the hunt, then you know he'll be fully focused, and they could very easily get a result. Mikkel Jensen has made the move from LMP3 to P2 over the winter, having won the LMP3 category in that ding dong fight at Portimao uh, last October with Jens Pettersen. And uh, Mikkel, I could tell, was a superstar from Denmark. 25 moved up to LMP2. That was pretty obvious that was going to happen. And yes, Jean-Eric Vern. He's now double Formula E champion, certainly one time Formula E champion anyway, and uh, 30 years old, platinum rated quite clearly. Uh, And yes, G-Drive on the garage, TDS, when you get to the guys on the overalls and TDS have great pedigree at Le Mans and also in the ELMS Championship.
1: Next up is another WEC runner. It's the number 29 Racing Team Netherland car uh, for the all Dutch driver lineup of Frits van Ert, uh, Guido van der Gaarde, and Nick de Vries. Uh, Johnny, I'll give you this one, um, even though it's really shares turn, but this is another WEC entered car. So you've been watching these guys in this very long WEC season.
0: Yeah, it's another WEC car. It's another TDS car, actually, as mm-hmm. well. But Racing Team Nederland used to be. Their own entity when Jan Lammers was racing and Rubens Barrichello's raced with this team as well. And uh, Fritz van Erd, who kind of owned racing team Nederland, decided to to go to TDS and said, can we can we get a deal going? And I think we're now into the second year of that partnership. Fritz is the uh, owner, the CEO of the, the Jumbo supermarket outfit who are huge in the Netherlands. And that's the reason why the car is bright yellow with the Jumbo branding across the dorsal fin it be fourth time at Le Mans for Fritz uh, this year. Uh, amazing that that time has ticked by so quickly. Yes. Nick de Vries, uh he is the FIA Formula Two champion of twenty nineteen, and no, he's for he's, I think Nick is Formula E champion, isn't he? R- latest, mm. uh, so um, that would make John Verne just one time Formula E champion. Anyway, Nick. I mean, it just seems like anything he gets in, he can win and become a champion. So uh, I'm so excited to see how Nick gets on. It's almost a shame that both Nick de it's oh, Antonio Felix de Costa is a Formula E champion. We'll get there eventually. Um, I do pay attention to those races, sort of. A bit more car noise and you might have mine unabiding on, on Stop it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, it. The real shame is that Nick de Vries and Guido van der Garda are in the same car. Because my dream would be to see those guys side by side down the Morsan Straight. Because, I mean, the car just it has fireworks out the back of it whenever Guido or Nick are at the wheel. Mm. Do you remember that opening stint from Guido van der Gaarde at Spa-Francorchamps a few weeks ago yeah. for the ELMS race, yes. where he, I think, overtook from, from the, back, the very back of the grid, pitted in the lead or second place in LMP2 after just blitzing everybody? Uh, yeah, I, I mean... Whether they are good enough across the board to get a win is tricky. They could get a top three you know how much does fritz because-
1: have to do and i i mean and and that and I'm not being nasty to Fritz, but that's the key isn't it is is yeah. how much he does and how close and consistent he can be He can be a bit off the two other guys, but ultimately this class will be won by the team that has the best third driver who, and it's no good being, you know, a second and a half off your best driver time one lap and then 20 seconds off because you've looped it on the way into the Porsche Curves the next lap. It, you'd be much better being four or five seconds off the pace and being able to do that every lap. And that, and that you know, and that's what Fritz has got to do.
0: No, agreed. Um I appreciate you talking for that length of time to allow me to look up the regulations because, <laughs> of course, I'm in, I'm in six hour mode from the latest World Endurance Championship races rather than 24-hour mode, it, I'm on the right page now, I think, for drive time. So we're nearly there. Keep going. Well,
1: it, it was it was more a rhetorical question uh, than, than yeah, an absolute yeah. one. But, you know, if, you, if you're going to look at it... You know, and, and, and as I say, I am not being nasty toward Fritz uh, at all because everybody who is the quote-unquote third driver in this category has got the same thing to do. And ultimately, during practice and qualifying, all a bit different this year, Thursday, Friday... A um, lot of practice after the qualifying sessions are, are done as well. Because remember, we've got hyperpole uh, on Friday, all live on Haggerty Radio Le Mans. Uh, it's going to be down to the team manager seeing that all these "quote unquote" third drivers. Right, here's the time I want you to do, and I want you to be within half a second or six tenths of that every time you go around. And I don't want any excuses about traffic, no traffic. It's that's what you've got to do for your nine laps. And the amount of time that
0: Fritz has to do is. I'm not there yet. Well, I'll I'll get I'll keep everyone on tenterhooks hooks and and I'll put it in at the end of this particular show. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> okay. keep you to that. Just remember to come sh- back to me. Yeah, sh-
1: sh- just share no, just as a, can, the th- for a bonus for bonus points I, for sure.
2: Can I register a guess at four and a half hours?
1: You can, but I, okay, I, it doesn't ring any bells with me. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's move on to the Decane Racing Team. Uh, Decane, who have correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Johnny, as a, are now going to be a manufacturer as well. In fact, are a manufacturer for the, the new sets of chassis for LMP2, which we're not using in Le Mans this year. That doesn't come in for a while. So uh, this is their racing team, but it is the same organisation that's bought the chassis, but they're not using one of their own branded chassis because they've brought Leisure, haven't they? Uh,
0: yes, but Duquesne so far... Our only LMP3 cars, because remember, they used to be the Normas.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, Normas. So, Normas. Sorry, that's Norma Norman that they yeah. bought. Yes, of course it is. Yes. That was, that was so
0: it. so Norma had the M30, Correct. and it's now known as the Duquesne M30. It's Gilles Duquesne's team, and Gilles Duquesne has been associated with endurance racing for many, many years. So lovely to have them on the grid. But, yes, they did have to have a hard think about uh, what car to, to turn out with. And, well, it was, the decision was made to a certain extent because they'd already thought about it ahead of entering the ELMS. And right. that came, I think, in 2019 when it was with an Orica. So they're going to carry on with that type of chassis.
1: Sure. Tell me about Jonathan Hershey, Konstantin Tereshenko and Tristan Gomady
2: have a lot of experience at Le Mans in this car, Gammadi. This is his 11th trip to the 24 hours of Le Mans and twice he's finished second. He's a guy who's won the Macau Grand Prix, so he's used to driving in high pressure situations, former GP2, champ car experience, Jonathan Hershey, his eighth Le Mans for the Swiss driver, rallying background, FIA GT1, Asian Le Mans series, ELMS. And again, finished second back in 2018. Konstantin Tereshenko, this is his second trip to Lamont, DNF last year, but a Spanish Formula 3 champ, a Russian Formula champ. He's been in GP3, he's been in ELMS, a lot of experience in this car. And they might be that one that just sort of makes its way up the chart that we don't really notice it's there until about hour 18. And then we're yes. going, oh, hello, Duquesne Engineering's doing really, really well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. 33 uh, is the next one we're going to because we've done some of the cars in between as uh, we started with the Goodyear Runners and there's a United car as well. So if you think we're jumping numbers, just remember we've already covered those. 33 to the WEC entered car. This is the Danish entry, high-class racing. Uh, and an Auriga for Kenta Yamashita, who is the platinum driver there. Mark Patterson, who's the bronze, we've spoken about him and his... Uh, his desired to be the oldest driver at Le Mans and Anders Fjordback, a very, very solid silver. Johnny, another one of your WEC runners this year.
0: Yeah, uh, Anders Fjordback is the constant as far mm. as uh, high class racing is concerned because he also competes at European Le Mans series level with a guy called Dennis Anderson, um, not the monster Tuck driver. Sadly, when I first met him, I thought he was oh. Grave pilot. But no, it's yeah. not the same Dennis Anderson. <laughs> there you go. Shea, he's ringing bells with Shay. Uh, but uh, mm. no, different Dennis Anderson and Anders Fieldback, uh, both having um, arrived out of many years ago. Now the Renault Sport Trophy and the oh. RSO One days that yes. high class were a team within that, which came out of Renault Megane Trophy. They did the last two years, I think, of that. Then kind of hit a bit of a dead end in terms of their career and. I think, thanks possibly to ELMS, the Renault Championship supporting ELMS for a few races, their attention was turned to that and thought, well, this is a a cool way of going racing. Four hour races and six of them through the year. So, brought High Class with them. Anders remains as the silver rated driver. Mark Patterson in as the bronze. Uh, because he knows everybody, I think, in the paddock. Used to race with Murphy, has raced with Algarve Pro as well, and got good contacts now at High Class Racing. Lovely guy, originally from South Africa, but now um, a a US national. And we missed Mark last year, but he has done six previous Le Mans with a variety of teams, as I already mentioned. So great to have Mark back on this quest Mm. to be the oldest driver uh, at Le Mans, but he's now got a certain Dom Bastian that he is uh, up against, and Dom, if he starts the race in GTS, is seventy four already. So um, another six years to go, Mark. That's all. Um, and Kent Yamashita, a Super GT champion, yeah, um, in Japan. So yeah, I mean, a superstar when he when I first met him at Barcelona last year during the WEC prologue. That seems a long time ago, but that was the precursor to this current yes, of season. Course. And uh, yeah, really, really cool to meet Kenta. Uh, and he's not disappointed when he's got behind the wheel of uh, of the high-class Orica. A
1: couple of years to talk about next, both on Michelins, uh, a Polish and then the uh, Philippine-entered uh, car for Eurasia. Uh, let's do Inter-Europol first. It's the 34. Uh, Cuba... Smikovsky, René Binder, the Austrian, uh, and Matvos uh, Izakian, the Russian. He's the gold driver there. Two, two sil- silvers, the first two. Uh, I'll, I'll give this to you for the first of the uh, the leisures we're talking about in this couple. share what can you tell us about that trio? Uh,
2: it's Jakob's second time at Le Mans. He ran last year and finished 16th. He's got a Formula background and ties to the team, obviously Polish driver, Polish team renee Binder, he's just one of those drivers that sort of wows you last year was his debut and i think he was sharing a car uh, jackie chan dc racing i think he was in a car with um ricky taylor um this just off the top of my head by the way um but eighth last year he comes from a family of racers his uncle hans raced in formula one renee was on a track Two Formula One, 72 GP2 starts before we stole him away to sports cars. He has some IndyCar experience too, ran in that series back in 2018 with yunkos and then full season last year in the ELMS with the team. Mateva Sazakian again another driver his second start at Le Mans he ran with SMP back in 2018 in the LMP1 car DNF that year that those cars just didn't have a very good run but he's somebody else who's got a formula background who sort of abandoned that straight and narrow path to come over to sports cars and he's been involved with that since 2017 so for these three drivers they are going to be the under the radar guys but they might be the under the radar reason for the wrong reasons if you know what I mean.
1: Uh, number 35 is Eurasia. GP, what can you tell us about that Leisure entry?
0: Mark Goddard's team and well-known in Asian Le Mans series well, circles. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, it's kind of testament to Mark's really hard work to, to get this car um, to France, you know, to be able to race. And, and I know he, it was tricky to get the car to spar for the latest World Endurance Championship event as as a practice run, effectively, for the 24 Hours of Le Mans. So at least the car is now in Europe and uh, they're ready to go. And he's got some pretty nifty drivers as well. I mean, Roberto Mary's pedigree uh, really uh, is well known from, from Formula One. He's had one appearance at the 24 Hours of Le Mans as well, which will stand him in good stead, although he wasn't at the race last year, 29-year-old Spaniard. Nick Foster, uh, well-established now, as far as a GT runner is concerned, he's run Porsches in the past, in the world endurance championship, the 28 year old Aussie. And again, previously at Le Mans, one race, but a few years ago. So that again, we'll just take some reminding of, um well, particularly I think because that last experience was in a GT car. So got to get used to the car and remember the track as well. Nobuya Yamanaka is the bronze Japanese driver. He is very much a rookie and has had, in and out appearances at LMP3 level, he also competed at Spa in the WEC a few, few weeks ago, last month. Um, there are still question marks as to how good Yamanaka can be. I think when he's really focused, then he's a solid bronze. But he is susceptible to the odd error. I really hope that you know it, it's not. It doesn't happen at Le Mans, and also uh, kind of involve other cars if he's yeah. if he's involved in some sort of incident, because that's often somebody else's race is ruined by an honest mistake by somebody, but hopefully you'll get the coaching he needs from Roberto and from Nick and or from all those at Eurasia Motorsport too. Um, I think possibly their car type is against them again, because it's just one of only three Ligier's. but you never know. It's a 24 hour race. Uh, the,
1: Next car we're going to talk about is another WEC runner. It's Signatec. It's one of the badge engineered cars. This is the Alpine A four seventy Gibson for Andre Negrau, the Brazilian Pierre Rags and Thomas LaRon, the two Frenchmen. So two golds there with uh, Pierre Rags being the silver. Uh Shea, go on, have a go at this one. And then I will come to is... Johnny for a little bit of a sweep up because he's been watching them in the WEC. Go ahead
2: this car has neon flashing lights all around it it's (laughs) kind of the obvious one that if you look at the entry list and okay so taking aside the the tandy jarvis Cullen entry this is the car that you look at and go give them the trophy i mean why would anyone even bother Negrau laurent and pierre rags pierre is Mm -hmm. is the weak link of the three the silver driver he's finished third twice in his previous 12 well,
1: When you say weak link, I'm I'm going to dig you out of your hole there because you said weak link there and you're actually not saying it in the derogatory way that people will no. hear that. Because if Pierre Rags is your weak link, you've got a really strong team.
2: Exactly. and And that's my point is that... This is a guy who knows the race. He's only run the mall once with a non French team as a French driver. He's very comfortable with this race. He's very familiar with LMP2, and he's already stood on the podium twice so in terms of that being your weak link you're doing a really good yeah, job yeah thomas laurent the star of 2017 when they finished second overall getting the win in the lmp2 category he's a cart champion a road to le mans uh, he won the support race at le mans back in 2016 he's been an elms for such a long time asian le mans series champ wec standout and then andre negrao Two consecutive wins at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 2018 and 2019. So you're looking at three drivers who are all extremely mm. capable in their car to begin with. Then you add on that it's Signatech Alpine. They're in an Alpine. They're all comfortable with the entire situation. There will be no getting up to speed for these mm. three guys. They're going to come out of the gates and set the fastest lap.
1: Uh, and have how Signatech been doing in WEC this year, JP?
0: Well, do you know, the reputation sort of decries, decries their um, results mm. so far. And that's mainly because United have performed so, so well. well. They've yeah. done an awful lot of the winning. But yeah, you think about senior take Alpine. I think double European Le Mans champions to 2013, 2014. And then they've been WC champions or come, certainly came close to it. And I think they were in maybe mm. 15. Anyway, this year... Second place at Silverstone, no problem with that result. Since then, never been on the podium. Yes. Now, they got a couple of fourth places, one at Shanghai and one in Bahrain, but they've sort of struggled in the longer distance races. Um, the Six Hours of Fuji, sixth. Six Hours of Kota, sixth place. And then they didn't finish at Spa after that really terrible looking crash for Thomas Laurent. And it was Laurent up against Fritz van Eerd. when one went one side of over, a. Over backmarking GT car, Laurent thought he'd seen a gap went up the inside and really you couldn't have blamed Fritz van Heer, you couldn't really blame Thomas either for going for the move. And it resulted in having a huge crash at Blanchemont sadly that put them out of the race straight away. But yeah, I would have said Senior Tech, no question about them being capable of a win, but you talked about form being so important. They don't really have that coming into Le Mans. So it's going to be interesting to see whether they can put the previous six races and the championship sort of out of their mind and focus on Le Mans as a solo event, which it should be.
1: Yeah, oh, it has to be. I think it has to be. Um, and we're going to have a very long debate about how points should be awarded uh, at Le Mans for, for the championship. But that, that's maybe that's for sometime in the week of Le Mans and Haggerty uh, Radio Le Mans. And you'll be able to get in touch with us using that hashtag, of course, hashtag Haggerty with one G. Uh, RLM, Haggerty RLM is our hashtag on Twitter at RSL underscore studio. We'll get your tweets in front of us. Right, let's move on then to the 39 car. We've talked about the two good year runners. Yes. So this is the SO24 has by Graf car. Now, uh, SO24, um, we have watched with interest, JP, down through the years because there's a bit of a story behind SO24 and who they've supported in the past but this is a slight departure for them with James Allen Vincent Capillier and uh, Charlie Mellesi, uh Charles Mellesi, uh in this car so an, an Australian and, uh, and two Frenchmen but still carrying the very local colours
0: Yeah um, it seems to be every alternate year we see SO24 we first saw them on the entry list in 2016, and then Miss 17 were back for 18, and then they were absent on the grid last year as well, but they are present once more, as you say, and it's difficult to sort of place this team, therefore, but Graf, I do know all about, from the, in the past running two cars in the ELMS, just one these days, but it's... James, Al- James Allen, I know very much from uh, from the Graf days that he is uh, partaking in, and he's had a, one ELMS victory as well I remember that was probably two or three years ago now it's been a long wait for the Aussie Vincent Capillaire has raced for SO24 in the past when there have been two driver entries I think in the ELMS and Vincent has been one of them Charles Millessi less known about him and uh, let's see how he goes but he's with a, a strong team in the form of Graf obviously with the with the SO24 backing for, for sponsorship reasons. And um, there'll be, there'll be a, a lot of support, albeit sort of virtually rather than <laughs> on site. But I mean, Charles Molesi is actually only 19. So that's the reason why I don't know a great deal about him. He's come out of CIK World Karting. Oh, wow. At 14, 15, 16. And he's done some Formula Renault racing as well at European level. Um, and then F3 Japan. I wonder how many races he's done in F3 Japan. Oh, a whole season. 2019. Right. So he spent his uh, all of last year racing at Suzuka and Autopolis and Motegi, um, and was ninth place in in that championship. So a, a hot shoe out of single seaters into a prototype always a good combination in my experience. Mm.
1: Yeah, so 24 by the way is um, when we say it's very local, it's exceptionally uh, local because it is. Uh, I think it's Society Object uh, South Objectif. Uh, twenty four so the south the south is the the department in which uh, the the Le Mans circuit sits so it is a, a an organization to promote the local area they I think in 16 was at Lombard racing that they raced with. And they did a, a couple of Cause They were at Silverstone in 16 as well. I, I seem to remember. And they've done the Fred Saucer um, tie up as well um, with one of the special entries that they had. I think they might've been the original sponsor for the Fred Saucer uh, entered for, for drivers um, with uh, special needs. And they, uh, so as Johnny says, they're not uh, they're there every year, but the South Objectif is the organisation behind the very brightly coloured orange, white and French blue colours on that Orica, JP.
0: And you're right. Yeah. Olivier Lombard and his team have run with SO24 in 2016 with Fanson Capillaire. Correct. Actually, So that's how far back Vincent goes. And Jonathan Coleman was the third driver in 16 when they did Silverstone and they did the 2016 ELMS race at Imola as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I remember when So24 first came came on to the scene because we weren't exactly sure how to say the name. Whether it was it So24 yes. had an exclamation mark at the end of it in those days as well. So So24 at the top of your voice. But <laughs> you're right. It is it is So24 with the Hass extra bit. On, uh, on their
1: name this year. I don't know what that bit stands for. We'll have to find out. I don't
0: know that either, no. no. Is it H.A.S.? Is it Has? Yeah,
1: yeah it has. It, it, I think it has. I think it is. It uh, has. Cool Racing are the Swiss team that we'll go to uh, next for uh, the number 42 car. Again, it's an Oreca on or Michelins. Uh, this is uh, Alexandre Cogni, uh, Antonin Borger, and Nico Lapierre, shit Adam, uh, Nico Lapierre, we don't need to uh, introduce him very much. Great to see that in the last few years, when he's been racing uh, in LMP2, he's back with a smiling Nico Lapierre. And with Antonin Borger, the Swiss silver, and Alexandre Cogni, the bronze Swiss driver, he's actually got a couple of decent teammates again.
2: You know it's funny John if you want to win the 24 hours of Le Mans just put Nico Lapierre in your yes. car 15 16 18 and, tw- and uh, 19 for Nico I almost tried to give him 2020 already uh which was pretty funny um yeah he's a guy who had an unceremonious uh, departure from Toyota, make of it whatever you will, went on to win the WEC LMP2 championship 2016, 2018 through 2019, uh, and then win Le Mans four times as previously mentioned. So a very strong asset to any team. For Borga, it's a guy who comes in with a VDV background. He's come through the ELMS, the uh, Michelin Le Mans Cup. He's been in, in that series as well. Um, the Swiss driver, 32 years old, first time to Le Mans. Coigny, the French Swiss driver, he's 45, bronze, and he's somebody who we've known that name from running in the 24-hour series, actually, in Creventic, third in the Championship of the Continents in 2018. Again, very similar background. Coigny and Borga driving together for quite some time. They've added Nico Lapierre to the mix. They're hoping that uh, by bringing Nico, they get that little bit of extra magic to throw in another win. And, you know, I've learned my lesson in the past, not picking Nico Lapierre to win the race, and then he goes ahead and does it. It's going to be a little tougher this time to um, put my money on the 42 car. But, hey, if magic can happen, it's going to be with Nico. Uh,
1: Chetila Racing has the only Delara P17 with the Gibson engine for the 47 entry. Johnny, uh, Roberto Lacorte, the Italian, Andrea Bellici, the Italian, and Giorgio Sernagiotto, the Italian, uh, in a team that is under the Tricolore as well. Um, That'll be a good place for the Espresso. What chance for the Mm -hmm. Dallara, though? That's the issue here, isn't it? Just one in the race.
0: Yeah, it, it is tough, but I do love the fact that they continue to to go with the Italian built Dallara. Um, and you know, that, you get a feeling patriotism.
1: if there were if there was a Pirelli tire that they could stick on there, they <laughs> would stick the Italian tire brand on as well.
0: Yeah, patriotism runs deep through uh, Chetyllar Racing. I really wish these guys well. They've they often run the sort of. There's a gentleman award that was floating around ELMS for a little while, which went when they were running with, a, I think, an all or two bronzes out of the three lineup. Mm. And I remember also at the end of an ELMS season, uh, at the awards night, they kind of. They had a, a special award only only put forward one year, which was, I think, something like a, the team with the most smiles or the, yes, the team yes. with the most enthusiasm. And it went hands down to Chetilar Racing because they are always beaming from ear to ear. They haven't always had the luck, in fairness. No. I think to remember in recent years at Le Mans, they were involved in a crash, definitely not of their own making, one of the chicanes on the Mulsanne. And it took their car out really quite early on when it had been a battle to get it on the grid in the first place. So I wish them well. Andrea Bellicchi a, a really good addition, gold rated and just into his early 40s now. Roberto Lacorte and Giorgio Cernagiotto are, are chetilar through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just see how they go. Uh, you know, entered as a WEC car. Uh, they, they've been doing all of that campaign, but sadly, regularly propping up the field when results have often been really cruel to them um let's let's hope they can pull off you know a top six finish would be awesome certainly in the top 10 of a twenty-two, twenty-four 24 car field they'd be very very happy with that
1: and we'll finish off our look at the uh lmp2 f- field here on Haggerty radio le mans with the richard meal racing team uh french on michelins in an orica uh, at the moment we have tatiana calderon the Colombian driver and Sophia Flusch, the German driver. Uh, Catherine Leg should have been in there as well, but Catherine got uh, injured in testing for the first of the ELMS or the testing before the first ELMS round uh, at uh, at Ricard, uh, if memory serves. And is still yeah, right. at the moment. Thanks, Johnny. Still um, under rehabilitation. Um, so at the moment and at time of speaking um, th- there's a TBC there there's been a couple of names that I've heard mentioned to go against that I think she had they do want to keep it to an all-female driver lineup uh, that may or may not be possible um, but you'll have heard some of the names that I have as well but let's talk about what we do know Tatiana and Sophia
2: yeah and um I think we'll be hearing an answer fairly soon as to who they they do manage to get. They've had uh, Andre Negrao, hasn't it been, who's filled in for the ELMS round so far with Tatiana. A a learning year for everybody involved with the team. They came into a new car, new organization, uh, trying to really find their feet, but with the goal of Le Mans. This is what they've been building towards. Tatiana is a silver-rated driver from Colombia. She also ran at the Rolex, met her very nice, 27 years old test driver for the Alfa Romeo F1 program, so that's where most people will associate her from. Open wheel background, but she has been going into sports cars a little bit more and more this year. The downforce, though, will be a huge factor because she's used to it, so that's helped her Mm. trying to uh, adapt to the prototypes. Sophia Flourish doesn't have the same level of experience in sports cars or as far as the uh, prototypes are concerned, Ran at Le Castellet, finishing 11th. Um, but she is very much a rookie to endurance racing and to this form of racing, multi-class racing in, in addition. So Le Mans is going to be a very difficult experience for her. as 19 years old. I'm really interested to see who they bring in. Um, Catherine Lake obviously leaves shoes that nobody can fill, but somebody's going to try, and I'm interested to see who they choose to try and fill that.
1: It's an interesting point, uh, Johnny, that's – she makes about Sophia because she chose to miss the Spa F3 weekend, which is what her full season is this year in, in uh, on the F1 supports to get a bit of extra practice, wheel time, miles under tyres uh, for the the Richard Mail Racing team, and she's not going to win the championship in. In F3 this year, I think that's a really sensible way of going about it. With Le Mans just around the corner,
0: oh yeah, uh, totally. Um, I mean, you know, she she's on to good things with Campos Racing in the Formula Three Championship, but uh, isn't in the championship hunt at this stage. So definitely, it, it's wise because I, I think she was quoted as saying at uh, Le Castellet that you know it's, it's clearly always been an ambition, but she would love to kind of regularly keep compete at the 24 hours of Le Mans. So she can do it at the age of 19. Then there's every chance that she could have maybe a, a, a long run ahead of her. Um So yeah, it, it made sense to me to, to go to Le Castellet. She benefited because that was also a partial night race. Ah, so has point. also competed in, a, in an NMP2 in, in darkness yes. and in virtually all conditions <laughs> that she's probably going to face yeah. at Le Sartre as well. So it was a, it was a all encompassing race she was, I mean, really tired by the end of it. and She said, you know, it's a punishing stint and I'm going to feel this tomorrow morning. However, much better that she gets used to that early rather than when she arrives at the 24 hours of Le Mans. Now, I think actually you look across the garage to the, the, the other driver she was competing with in that car. Not only at Le, at Le Castellet, but also the previous round, a certain, a certain Dutch woman was competing, Biteskavisa. Yes. Now known to, known to Richard meal racing, I think Vissa just slots in. Not not got the experience as Catherine Leg, but just not possible for Cat sadly to be racing. So Biteskavisa, who finished second in W Series last year. It's the W Series esports champion for this year, as much as you want to count that, but also done international GT Open, knows GT cars, and also now knows that car as well after two races in the ELA mess.
1: Yeah, and another one of that um, generation of up-and-coming uh, Dutch uh, drivers. 24 cars then. I I reckon that two-thirds of those are a gen... I mean, as we talk right now all of them are a genuine chance for the, the podium but you know what I mean if I said there's probably 18 of those cars that you could honestly see getting on the podium on pure pace if nobody had any issues it would be a toss up so who is going to win it I don't have to choose but Johnny Palmer is going to have to pick one who do you reckon do you go with United, okay. they're on the roll they've got the momentum, we've talked about how important momentum is before do you go for one of the other superstar teams that are out there with a couple of really good platinums in, what's your thought JP? Uh,
0: yeah, my eye is sort of automatically drawn to the 22 but then you know how sports racing, sports car racing can go and I, I think back to Silverstone at the start of the World Endurance Championship um, campaign when I really thought it was the 22s to lose and they barely got beyond four laps, I think it That's was. The United or maybe even, car, yeah. yeah, United 22. Uh, it wasn't even four laps. I think it was the second lap that the card just kind of drew past us in the, in the wing at Silverstone, dead stick. So lots can be hurled at, uh, at a card across, across that period. I am going to go for. No, I'm going to go for, despite the on and off uh, Roman Rusinov, Will it be a, a, a talented or less talented Roman Rusinov turning up? I think I think he could be strong this year. And I think Ooh. John Eric Verne and Mikkel Jensen are, are, are great support. I mean, Mikkel Jensen's really surprised me in terms of his speed in ELMS to this point. Mm. So I'm going to go 26 G-Drive racing. Okay.
1: And we'll we we'll still need to find out how long Rusinov has to do uh, in the car. We'll give you that. In I, race. I know, I know, uh, I know. Go on then. <laughs> oh, look how excited he was. <laughs> Or shall I do it at the end? No, no, do it now, now. because that was the car we were talking about.
0: It's a really simple regulation, regardless of what class you're in, regardless of what rating you are, you have to do a minimum of six hours.
1: Right, okay.
0: And that is, whichever class you are in, and whichever grading, bronze, silver, gold, or platinum, six hours will do it.
1: Right, okay, that's very interesting. Very interesting, particularly with the amount of darkness we have then. It's not as easy to avoid a darkness stint, as it would be if we were running in June. All right, so the Auris, or again, Gibson, running on Michelin, Michelin tyres uh, for G-Drive, the 26 is the pick of, uh, of Johnny Palmer. And I'm going to ask you both, after we've heard from Shea, so think about this, how far up the overall standings at the end of 24 hours on Sunday will the LMP2 winner be? That's the other thing I'm going to ask you. So, Cher, who's your lmp 2 winner?
2: I agree with Johnny that G-Drive is going to win, but it's not going to be that G-Drive. It's going to be the Ooh, 16. Really? Yep.
1: Right. Okay. Sticking with it. G-Drive it with Racing it. by Algarve, Ryan Cullen, Ollie Jarvis, and Nick Tandy back in a prototype uh, will be the winner. And how far up the field will that be, bearing in mind that if all of the P1s finished, there would only be... In seventh place, if all of them run without any issues through the the week, there are only seven P1s or P1 hybrids together. So where is where is that car going to be, Shay, if it wins the race? When it wins the race, as far as you're concerned, obviously P2. Oh, she's gone for it, Johnny Palmer. You you pick the G Drive Twenty Six. Uh, Roman Reusenhoff will be happy with the P2 victory. Is he going to be even happier and be on the overall podium?
0: Shay Adam took the words right out of my mouth So there. you think second I, as well? I think second overall, yeah, because I don't wow. th- I think... I think Toyota will win, but I don't think both cars are going to be- behave considering Toyota's luck over most of Le Mans' history Ooh. when they've been involved. I think the rebellion's... Won't do the distance, or they'll be a long way back after repairs. The, the bike just won't. It'll it'll <laughs> last about six hours and then collapse, I think, sadly. And Janetta just haven't done enough races, yeah. so there's no strength in depth in, in LMP1 this year and uh, can we have the same answer because if not I'd love to be P3
1: no 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 you can have the same answer you can absolutely even right. if you'd picked the same cars I would have allowed that right well yeah. a P2 in Let's second, second then. P2 in P2 from both of our experts there uh, the only way to find out is to tune in Haggerty Radio Le Mans on RS1 in the week of the race we'll be on the, the air from the very first moment that the cars well slightly before actually from the cars rolling out uh, onto free practice one and as uh, we're talking at the moment we're the only broadcaster to bring you any coverage at all of free practice one on Thursday morning French time and we'll go all the way through until Sunday and the chequered flag indeed a little bit beyond it as well as we wrap up a very unusual Le Mans for 2020 and that I can say absolutely even though we haven't started yet because of course we've moved to September. Thanks to Cher and to Johnny. Tim Gray is our executive producer up in London. I'm John Hindorf. Make sure you stay tuned right through Le Mans week to Haggerty RLM hashtag Haggerty RLM Haggerty Radio Le Mans on RS1 part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels.
0: This program is a Radio Show Limited production.
1: Tell your friends there's more at Radiolemans.com.